Demons are not real, but apparently the memory center of my brain thinks I've killed one. I heard that the things we do in games like Dungeons and Dragons occupy the same gray matter space as the memories of things we've actually done. I imagine it's more complicated than that, but the implications are fascinating. It explains why this game is so addictive, but also why it can be troubling at times. Ever had someone rage quit one of your games? I have. Ever rage quit a game? I'm not proud of it, but I've done that too. Something about games activates our lizard brain. As a child of the 80s, I would see people absolutely lose their mind playing Pac-Man, slam and kick the stand-up video game. I've heard my teen video game addicts go ballistic playing Fortnite. We've all seen the insane arguments over rules, game systems, additions. Emotions run high around fandom. We take our make-believe seriously. Even when it's not about the ravages of emotions running rampant, the hobby can take a toll almost the way real life does. How do you stay grounded, fresh, or even improve your skills? Mental Health and the Dungeon Master. This is Anatomy of a Campaign, Therapy Edition. It goes without saying, if you are suffering, you should seek help. Mental health is a concern for everyone. Talk to a professional. Don't let it fester. I was lucky enough to have an anxiety attack just as I was going in for a physical. My doctor got to see it, and having that conversation led to other important changes. Things got better, but only after getting help. Never forget to take care of yourself. When I first started playing D&D, we were so obsessed that we played multiple days a week. It got stressful. Arguments broke out, triggered by the game. Friendships were frayed. I'm talking about 12-ish year old kids at this point, but it was all like an emotive crucible. We made a rule to play only once a week, and it was like flipping a switch. Everything got better immediately. The game was more fun, positive, exciting. It was something to look forward to. Of course, there's a bit of absence makes the heart grow fonder, but we didn't stop hanging out, we just did other things. Touch football, baseball, watch movies, VHS tapes, baby, trek to the comic book store. If you're able to, please imagine all of that as an 80s training montage. I suppose everything should be done in moderation, but my theory is that the immersiveness of tabletop RPGs and their reliance on shared storytelling amplifies the positive and, unfortunately, negative emotional effects of taking part in group activities. Even if your adult games are not devolving into the preteen chaos I experienced in the 80s, player and DM burnout is a thing. For DMs, I think a common mistake is to assume burnout is when you don't want to run a game anymore. I think it can start well before that. Have you ever gone through the motions, start to wing things more often, been bored during your own game, been oblivious to your players' feelings about the game? Have you ever been less than 100% ecstatic to run your next game? Then why do it? DMing is an insane amount of effort. Even if you have your prep dialed in for uber efficiency, the mental acrobatics needed to run four to six players through a virtual fantasy scape is no joke, and red alert warnings should flash if you ever start to blame the players at the table. If only so-and-so wouldn't do X or would start doing Y. That's a warning sign, because it starts to suggest that your fun is driven by what others are or are not doing. The question should be, are my players enjoying themselves? Am I enjoying myself? And the response is always a function of what you can do to improve that enjoyment. 
I'm excluding these situations where the group is not for you, which can easily happen. In fact, I think a common mistake people make when setting up a group is the assumption that a shared love of a game can make them a gaming group. I think it's better to make people you like into a gaming group than to make people who game into a gaming group. Easier said than done, I know. All of this is to suggest that when dungeon mastering, you should get ahead of any burnout. It's not something that hits like a thunderbolt. I believe it builds up over time. Like anything else, it comes from stress and pressure. But wait. Don't we play these games to relieve stress and pressure? Have you met people? I submit to you that humans do nothing lightly. Sure, once in a while we do things to blow off steam, exercise, game, eat, but our persistent efforts always come with the human drive to achieve. We like to win, and when it's not something you win, we like to succeed. I guarantee your DM or you, if you are the DM, at minimum wants to be good at it and is willing to spend time at least thinking about how to do that. If not, why are you listening to this podcast? As they say in the seminal YouTube video about D&D, Fear of Girls, I am no mere hobbyist gamer. I'm weaving a tapestry. We want to do well, and that means the inner judge is engaged. We're being self-reflective, and because we're deeply flawed humans, we cannot engage that inner judge without shifting from goofing around to actually trying to do something well. And when you try to win or succeed, that means failure is possible. Voila. Stress. Why do I believe this is right? Because sometimes after I run a game, I feel depressed. Not because it's over, but because it did not go as well as I hoped. It's not just a lark. How could it be? DMing calls upon all manner of skills, ranging from world building to project management to diplomacy. You get the idea. How much of your self-worth is tied into the game or DMing? Before you answer, let's define what DMing actually is. The Dungeon Master is the descendant of the banker in Monopoly. Hear me out. From the Rules by Parker Brothers. Banker. Select as banker a player who will also make a good auctioneer. A banker who plays in the game must keep his or her personal funds separate from those of the bank. When more than five persons play, the banker may elect to act only as banker and auctioneer. In my history, the person who served as the banker in Monopoly was the one who knew the rules the best, was hopefully fair, and could handle the organizational and mathematical skills needed to keep it all straight. Monopoly was one of the more complicated and long board games from my childhood. I'm no aficionado. I'm sure there's examples of more complicated games, such as the games that Gygax and Arneson got the idea for all of this stuff from. But for me, the DM made sense because of the banker in Monopoly. It's a position of authority over the transactions of the game. D&D goes a major step further and dedicates someone to this role. So the DM is not, for example, a player character. Rather, they spend all of their time overseeing play. The big difference is, of course, that the DM also runs and often makes the adventure. It would be like a Monopoly game where someone is creating a new board to run players through. All fine, but then we add in story. That, I think, is when the game really takes off, but it's also where the potential issues begin. As you move away from black-and-white adjudication of the rules, it becomes adjudication of the story and potentially the dungeon master. The simplest example is after an encounter that does not go great for the PCs, someone says, that's way too hard for our level. You should not have put us up against X, Y, or Z. That trap was not fair. For sure, this kind of reaction is not new to D&D, but in past, those kinds of judgments would be leveled at the game. 
But now, since the DM is the one putting forth the game, the criticism is being directed at them. Prepackaged adventures mitigate this somewhat, but the role of the DM is so omnipotent within the game, but the role of the DM is so omnipresent and omnipotent within the game that any criticism lands at least partially at their feet. Now, beyond rules issue, there is the deeper Dungeon Master responsibility of story. Social media is thick with commentary about how DMs do not have to be Matt Mercer. No doubt he is an impressive DM and is directly responsible for a ton of people coming to the game. When you run, are your plots as compelling? Your NPCs as entertaining? Your descriptions as evocative? Now, Mr. Mercer will be the first one to say none of those questions are useful. Be your own DM. Moreover, he would say that any DM is as valid and as good as him. That he has something to learn from them. I think the proliferation of celebrity DMs creates an ideal. That can be good as long as it holds a positive place in your brain, but triggered feelings of inadequacy is what I'm talking about here as the downside. Because this is not Monopoly, and most DMs need to create ahead of any game session, you're putting yourself out there. But there is a nasty little twist. Unlike other forms of artistic creation, it's not just you. Whenever a DM has one of these triggered feelings, my hypothesis is that, in part, they are inflating their level of ownership over the game. Yes, the DM is the single largest contributor to a game of D&D, but the game actually occurs in the player response. The role of DM is to pose a dynamic stimulus. They describe the tavern, and the players tell you what they do. You describe the locked door, and the players tell you how they deal with it. You portray the elven princess, and they tell you what happens next. They set the scene. They kick off the conversation and introduce questions. After the players respond, they do it again. At its nucleus, this is the role of the Dungeon Master. And this brings me back to the question. How much of your self-worth is tied up being a DM? I can't answer for you, but for me, the answer is quite a bit. I'm proud of being a good DM. I have spent the majority of my life doing it. I love it. My guess is you do too. Over the decades, I've developed a healthy response to dungeon mastering, because there are good games and there are bad games. Actually, it's the meh games that bother me the most. If I push and have things blow up in my face, I can handle that way better than a lackluster session where everything is fine, but uninspiring. I submit, though, that... It's impossible to diagnose any session until you get some distance. DMing is one of those intense experiences where you cannot trust your memory of events 100%. In the heat of the moment, you're likely juggling a number of complicated things in your head, which affects your ability to judge what was really happening at the table. Because I play online via Roll20 and audio, I'm further hobbled in reading how people are reacting to my content. What's needed is an appropriate measurement of success, one that is fair to you as the DM and fair to the players. If you follow Adam Koble on Twitter or his channel, you'll know that he rails against fun as the success state. And he's right, because fun is uselessly subjective. And yet, that is what we would all say is the measure of a successful game. Did everyone have fun? The problem is someone could say, nah, wish I rolled better. Valid. We've all had games where we could not roll above a 10 to save our life, but that's out of everyone's control, purposefully. That is literally the thing in the game that we all can agree upon. Dice rolls are random and out of our control by design. Yet I'd say for some players, rolling well is a key ingredient to a fun session. Another player could say, nah, Tommy stole all the limelight this session. I didn't get to do a lot. 
or I was just really tired, or you really took away my agency when the hobgoblins captured us. And here's the thing. It could all be true, and it could be your fault. Maybe you let Tommy run away with things. Maybe you knew this particular player hates the captured by slavers trope. Or maybe no one says anything. Human brains love to fill in the blanks. Sure, there are people who assume the best, bless their hearts, but as I have been told, I tend to slay dragons that aren't there. Over time, things can be taken for granted. The praise may not be as effusive as it once was. What was once new and exciting has become less so. DM burnout or worse can crop up, especially if being a DM means something to you. What's the point? Running a campaign is time-consuming. As I got older, there was always a voice within me questioning the time and energy I put into a game of make-believe. Not if, but when you hit a lull, think of how damning that voice can be. It is okay to feel proud of your DMing accomplishments. It is okay for that to feed your sense of self, but heed the theory of memento mori. Cheerfully, it translates to, remember you will die. It is the practice of combating vanity and an excessive commitment to worldly goods by meditating on your own mortality. Keep things in their proper perspective. Not just to hold your ego in check, but so that when reality reminds you that nothing is perfect, you don't suffer a downward spiral. What are habits and strategies that help, other than contemplating your own mortality? I've offered this before, but we'll say it again. To DM, you must also play. It's not negotiable in my mind. If all you ever do is DM, then you don't know what it's like to have a ruling go against you or to face something that's too easy or too hard. To navigate the group dynamics of making decisions. To wait for your turn to come back around. Your ability to empathize is stunted if you don't ever play. And watching people play does not count. Get someone in your troop to run a one-shot. Join another DM's group, but be a player. Next, I'd say you must talk to your players as people. Wait, players are people? That is the prevailing wisdom. Have normal human conversations, shoot the breeze, know what's happening in each other's lives. If you're dismissing what I just said and presume you're doing it already, please stop and consider increasing the amount of friendly discussions, and not as a means to improve your DMing. Now is the time we banter. How about the weather? Whenever I see social media posts about challenges at the game table with someone asking about game solutions to what is obviously an interpersonal problem, the answer is almost always that Kragnar the Barbarian and the Dungeon Master need to shut up and let Tommy and Sally have an adult conversation. At their heart, tabletop RPGs are social. Everyone needs to feel heard and respected. The simple act of talking like people does more for the game than a million pages of rules. Do other things with your life. I know SNL is in the doghouse right now for this kind of humor, but a thousand years ago there was a guest spot from the great William Shatner. He's at a Star Trek convention and the attendees keep asking questions as if the reality of the show is real. Bill gets irritated and snaps at them to get a life, move out of your parents' basement. You, have you ever kissed a girl? Yes, it's dated and insensitive. At the time, it was funny, and I think the kernel of wisdom within it is that an obsession with something to the near exclusion of all else is not good for you. Do the best you can to step out of your comfort zone, even if only in a simple way. Explore things that are foreign to you. If you only read fiction, read biography. Not prone to physical fitness? Take a walk. Take a painting class. 
work your way up to participate in Toastmasters. The creativity benefits of these activities cannot be overstated. And I'm the worst. This is the advice I'm giving that I should heed more often. I'm taking an art class online at the moment, but always want to get more physically active. It's like rebooting your machine to clear out the system errors. I want to end by touching on the seven habits of highly effective people by the late Steve Covey. The habits break down into three groupings. The first group are the independent habits. First, be proactive. Don't wait for things to happen, but take action ahead of time. So don't wait until you're burned out, go play in another game, jazzercise, whatever, but do it before things turn ugly. Two, begin with the end in mind. Envision what you want the future to look like and determine what things will help you get there. This ties back to the idea of success measurement. What do you want from your players? If fun is too vague, what about engagement? Each session needs to at least provide the opportunity for player engagement. Lead the conversation with an NPC, a puzzle or trap they can solve, a combat where they will be necessary. It reminds me of the session end questions from Dungeon World. Did we overcome a significant foe? Do we learn something new about the world? The goal should be for each player to feel they can answer yes to these kinds of questions. Armed with that, how does that change your prep? You know what you're shooting for, so now it's easier to design your adventures to achieve the game objective. Third and final of the independent habits, put first things first. This is a brilliant construct presented by Covey. Imagine all tasks plotted on two axes, urgent and important. Something that is both very urgent and very important, needs to get done now. It's two hours before game time and you've realized you don't have the stats for a key monster. If it's neither urgent nor important, it's something like scrolling through social media. It's the time waster in your life, watching TV, for example. We all do too much of this stuff, the empty calories of human existence. The very intriguing activities, though, fall in the category of important but not urgent. Exercise is something that Covey lists in this bucket. For DMs, I would say things like being a player fit into this quadrant. It's important you do it, but it's not urgent and therefore may get sidelined unintentionally. And that's the hallmark of these activities. They're things that you absolutely should be doing, but they lack urgency. They can be put off, and so we tend to put them off. Exercise, take that class, meditate. Be sure to invest in yourself. The next three habits in the list are interdependent. They're about how you work with people. The fourth habit is to think win-win. If D&D isn't the poster child for this, I don't know what is. We're playing a game where we all are working to collectively succeed at a task. But the point here is to understand and believe that the best outcome is one where we all win. Don't try to beat the players. Don't need to be right during disagreements. The win-win outcome is better for everyone. The open mind is a healthy mind. Consider the other person's position. Do not presume they are trying to be a bad actor. Everyone is doing the best they can. Proceed from there. It's less stressful. Habit five is seek to understand, then be understood. This is about active listening, actually hearing the other side of the argument, and setting aside presumptions. And I'd extend this to your internal monologues. The inner voice can be an unreliable narrator, telling you you suck when that's not the case. It casts doubt on you out of a sense of protection. But that's just fear talking, and because it comes from within, there is this almost religious faith in its veracity. Listen and inspect what it tells you, especially when it's patently ridiculous. Recognize it for what it is. Challenge the absolute nature of it. Thoughts like, no one like your adventure, or everyone lets you DM because no one else wants to do it, are 
toxins and untrue. Seek first to understand before taking action. Whether that's a player at your table or yourself, shockingly, the truth is not always the sum total of the words that are being spoken. I'm just not having fun at your table does not equal you're a bad DM. Probe. Ask questions. Work to understand what fun means for them and what they need to make that happen. Doing so makes you a great DM. And as for that inner voice, be vigilant against fear-based worries. Frank Herbert had it right. Fear is the mind killer. Six is synergize, a word I despise, but he means teamwork. I think we all know how that applies to the DM life. Unload some of the burden and let your players take on more if it makes sense. The last category and habit is just one habit, and that is sharpen the saw. And I think this is the essence of what I'd want you to take away from this entire podcast. It means take care of yourself, hydrate, get sleep, exercise, go on vacation. But it also means to learn, explore new things, and expand yourself. With a fictional platform as robust as D&D, it is easy to spend all of your time just within the D&D space. Watching D&D, playing D&D, reading D&D... Try other game systems. I think the Apocalypse Engine systems are an incredible training tool for being a better GM, full stop. Try things other than tabletop RPGs. Photography, hiking, painting, acting, public speaking, go bowling. Get out of your own head and maybe get your head out of the game, just every once in a while. The benefits of RPGs are legion. Don't lose sight of that. Just know your limits and take steps to have a balanced perspective on things. Blaise Pascal, the mathematician, said something like, All of humankind's problems stem from their inability to sit alone quietly in a room and do nothing. Dungeon masters are the engine that makes the car run. You're a vital and complicated piece of brain power through which everything else happens. We need you to take care of yourself. This has been Anatomy of a Campaign, Therapy Edition. Thank you for the kind words of support on Reddit, Deadly Cabbage and JRMY92. Disclaimer. I am not now, nor have I ever been a licensed therapist. Listening to me is the legal equivalent of letting the inmates run the asylum, tearing the tags off a pillow, or opening that little silver sticker on the back of your computer panel. Listening to this podcast might have voided your warranty.